Hello, and welcome to East Africa NGO. I am your host, Patrick Hill. This podcast is sponsored by Team and Faith, supporting women, orphans, and vulnerable children in Uganda and elsewhere in East Africa since 2012. The coronavirus pandemic is in its second year. Progress has been made to lower infections and deaths around the world. Vaccines have helped millions avoid catastrophic illness and hospital stays. But new variants are making lives miserable for people around the world. And in Africa, vaccines are not easy to find. Last year on this podcast, I spoke with a reporter for one of Uganda's leading news stations. We got to hear about the challenges facing Ugandans in those early days. The government used strict lockdowns in March 2020 to keep infections and deaths under control. But lives and livelihoods have been slow to recover. Many are at home today, unable to work because of a new lockdown. Education, transportation, and commerce have come to a halt. The tourism industry is still a long ways from recovery. On July 20, I spoke with Walter Mwesije in Uganda via Skype to learn how the East African nation is coping with COVID today. Joining me now is Walter Mwesije, a health reporter with NTV Uganda in Kampala. Walter, nice to speak with you again. Good to hear from you too, Patrick. Well, the question of the day that we have here from the U.S. is, what is the COVID situation right now in Uganda? Well, statistically, I would say as of yesterday, we had you know, 254 new cases. And I'll just give you a general outlook. The deaths have now increased to you know, 2,412. And we have a total cumulative cases confirmed of COVID-19 amounting to 90,910. 69,377 have recovered so far. We've managed to conduct 1,431,68 tests. Uh, that is both or all of them, you know, combined together, PCR, antigen, antibody uh, from different testing areas. And when we talk vaccines, we have so far administered 1,101,431 doses of the vaccines, majorly AstraZeneca. That's the one that we have been using, and that's the general outlook so far. So infections are on the rise once again, because I think when we last spoke, we were we were tracking it, and then it seemed to have been an improvement, and things were looking up there like they were around the world, but now the infection rates are climbing once again. Yeah, sure, that's true. If you look at our figures, from January this year, we almost had zero patients in all the facilities. The major national referral hospital had zero patients and it had resumed, you know, other healthcare services that had been closed since the outbreak of COVID-19. But we got a resurgence in the month of April and it spiked up, you know, in ways that we're not expecting because uh, just three weeks ago, or about four, we saw the numbers, you know, skyrocket. Cases confirmed in a day went up up to 2,000 in just a single day. We had deaths, you know, that were amounting, were totaling to, you know, 50 plus in a day that had not happened in the first outbreak of COVID-19 here. And, you know, hospitals were full. We had very many patients who really needed critical care. And it was quite tough until 
you know, they had the government decided to institute a lockdown. What lockdown measures are being taken at this time? Can you describe the extent of them? Yeah, well, so the lockdown measures are that there is no public transportation, not even private transportation is allowed. We are actually left with about about 10 days you know, to end this other lockdown that was instituted three weeks ago for 42 days. Inter-district movements were stopped. You know, some businesses were closed. The ones that really gather many people. We have uh, areas downtown in the city that really gather many people. All those were closed. Uh, shopping arcades were closed. Majorly, majorly, the central business district was affected because all the arcades, all the shopping malls, all the businesses in the central business district were closed. Even when it was not generally put as a directive from the president to have those businesses closed, but by the fact that they gather many people, the owners of the buildings, of the arcades, and you know those businesses were compelled. And anyway, there were no people traveling from home to town. Just a few who would manage to walk, but generally there was no business, so no transactions. How common these days is, are the use of masks? Are people still doing the needful? Are, they, are most people masking and social distancing and washing their hands? Yeah, as regards the what they call the social standard operating procedures here, which includes all the measures you talked about, putting on a mask, social distancing, and uh, you know washing hands or sanitizing, we will majorly you know make a very good evaluation after the lockdown has been lifted. But what I can tell you is that I have noticed people are now putting on masks while they're outside in public space. This is something that was almost abandoned, I would say, especially in January, you know, January to Feb and maybe mid-March when the cases had completely gone down. People had almost gone back to their normal life. No masks, no social distancing. All the facilities for washing hands were, you know, just left empty and dried up. You could tell from just a mere look at the taps. Yeah, so what happened in the last three weeks, I would say really opened up the eyes of the public that we still have a big situation at hand. And is this primarily due to what's called the variants, these new strains of the coronavirus that are being passed around through East Africa and elsewhere around the world? We have had the issue of uh, strains explained here in the country by the scientists telling us that, you know, they have managed to detect the various strains. I think by now we have the last I, I spoke to the director of the Uganda Virus Research Institute, we had about about six strains, including the Delta, the new strain. And mm-hmm. they had seen it in about about two people. So that mission here is almost kept with the scientists. It's not majorly put out to the public unless we the journalists, you know, ask for it and put it out in our stories. But they majorly, majorly keep it to themselves. By the time you know, you're going to make an inquiry. For example, if I speak to the director tomorrow, he may tell me that we have, you know, a couple of other new strains that they have managed to detect. Not so sure why they do this, but, you know, I have seen in other countries, it's a matter of importance. Understand mm-hmm. this. How widespread have the vaccines been administered to the population? If the, also to break it down a bit for you, of the one million plus vaccines that have been given out. Many of them are actually uh, single 
shots. The people who have taken the double dose are slightly over 200,000. So that leaves a very big gap. And even when we got recently a batch of about, it was about 380,000 doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine for majorly the people who had, you know, taken the first dose. They are still noticing that these people did not turn up. So they just decided to still continue vaccinating whoever comes in for the vaccine. So the target majorly, first of all, for the vulnerable group is about 4 million. You'd say 4.5 from the statistics of the Ministry of Health. But then if you look at the population that has been vaccinated of that target is quite small, about 100,000 out of the 1 million plus, you know, the doses that have been vaccinated. And if you put it to percentages, quite small, less than 1%. So in terms of vaccination, we still have a big challenge at hand. We still have a big challenge. The ministry has assured and put some timelines forward on when we are going to get other vaccines. For example, we expect they've made payments for about 9 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccines. And according to the Ministry of Health, the process has begun. They have you know, advanced some money and we can only wait. But also we have donations majorly, actually all the, all the 1 million plus doses that we have so far vaccinated have been donations. Uganda has not been able to purchase vaccines using its own money, even when it has the cash at hand. So we will be expecting another about 1.5 million doses donated from China, from the U.S., and from France. And recently, Belgium also added us another 285,000 doses. Wow, that does sound like a big challenge. Do you know that, is this the same type of situation, the difficulty acquiring vaccines that other East African nations, uh, Uganda's neighbors are facing? Is this a widespread problem? Yes, it's a, it's a general problem, you know, that cuts across Africa, not just East Africa or Uganda, because about 10 million doses of the Johnson and Johnson, but till to date, they have not received a single batch. So, and the same with Rwanda, the same with Tanzania. We have only been working with uh, donations majorly in Africa. Well, in the absence of the vaccines, many Ugandans are turning to local remedies like Covidex. And the question I have for you is, is, is Covidex considered even a serious alternative to a, an established vaccine? Absolutely not. I don't think it can compare to a vaccine because it was just notified by the National Drug Authority here. And notification only simply means that it has been given permission for a third phase testing. Now, unfortunately, things played around differently here in Uganda. And what was supposed to be a third phase testing opened up to the market for people to buy COVIDX and use it after the maker, Professor, claimed to have some people who testified. Also, we had a number of uh, social media testimonies of how COVIDX helped people. And COVIDX, just to be brief in how probably it looks like, it's just uh, 20 mils. So it's a very, very small uh, dose. And 
according to the professor, is you administer six drops to the throat. You'd say as if you're gargling water. So that's how it should work, according to the professor. The doses, the, the six droplets you put around your throat. And then you could also put some drops in your nose, depending on how you feel. That is if you're not breathing very well. I have no proof on how COVIDx works. I have not used it before. I have not even interacted with someone physically who has used it and has shared, you know, or has experienced the effect of COVIDx. So it's just a natural remedy that was allowed to be used for supportive treatment. Probably what I can also just add on is that why that professor was given leeway for his COVIDx is that he has you know, been instrumental in developing some other local remedies that have been approved. For example, Atavo, which is a local remedy for malaria. And that was approved by uh, the NDA. It got all the full approvals. So it's being sold officially in pharmacies. And according to his statement, when he spoke to the president and he shared his history, so the president most likely gave him authority to continue with his product because the, the National Drug Authority had uh, prohibited him. And then a day later, we see the National Drug Authority coming out to address the, the media that COVIDx can now be you know, sold in pharmacies and can be used to support treatment for COVID-19. When it comes to COVID and the variants these days, Walter, who is getting infected? The first time we had the outbreak, the ministry had categorized the group at risk as the elderly and those with comorbidities. But as we got different strains in the country, and now especially that the Delta is also with us here in Uganda, the ministry has since revised. And as of uh, last week, they you know, issued guidelines on, and this of course determines who is going to be vaccinated. And this is why they had also to make the target group for vaccination a little bigger because initially the group was the elderly and they had said those 55 and above and anybody with comorbidities. But now the Minister of Health says that young people, you know, above 18, we are now being taken down by COVID-19 infection from the new strains, especially the Delta. And they had seen this from the hospital admissions that they, they were, you know, treating at the national referral and many other public facilities. So the group is now much bigger. You'd literally say everybody now has to be vaccinated because anyway, Uganda is a country with uh, the youngest population in the world, most of us just below the age of 30. What's the impact on uh, hospitals throughout the, the country? Are they full? Are they, are they struggling to meet the demand of ill patients? Yeah, so right now, the cases have really gone down and the hospitals have now some breathing space. So mm-hmm. if you fall ill, you'll probably have a bed or two and, you know, some health workers to take care of you. First of all, in the public facilities, also, you know, in the private facilities. About three weeks ago, it was a different situation. There was no hospital space anywhere for either, you know, critical care, ICU or high dependency, even just general admission, there was no space three weeks ago. There was a shortage of oxygen in the country. 
So you would probably get oxygen and then you don't have bed space. Or you'd get a bed and you don't have oxygen. And uh, there's a time where the uh, National River Hospital had a problem with its oxygen plant and quite a number of people died. The number was put to up to 49. And this information I corroborated with uh, a specialist from the hospital when I was speaking to him on Sunday this week. And he, you know, confined in me that three weeks ago, when we actually reported that there were deaths as a result of a failure of the oxygen plant, there were much more numbers that were not given out by the National Referral Hospital in terms of people who have died of COVID-19, just trying to cover up. Just remains a terrible scourge, this pandemic throughout the world, including Uganda and East Africa, and even here in the United States, we have sections of the population who were refusing to take the available vaccines, which is quite a contrast when compared to other parts of the world who are struggling to even obtain them in the first place. Walter Mwesuje, a health reporter from NTV Uganda in Kampala. Thank you very much for joining me today. It was good to talk with you. Welcome. Thank you for listening today. This program is sponsored by Team in Faith, lifting lives and raising hopes in Uganda and elsewhere in East Africa since 2012. If you are able and interested, make a donation to support our projects involving women, orphans, and vulnerable children. Visit our website at teaminfaith.org. I'll be back again soon to introduce you to another organization that is helping our brothers and sisters in East Africa. For East Africa NGO, I'm Patrick Hill. Thank you.